In this episode, we discuss OPC UA and time-sensitive networking for real-time field-level communications over Ethernet, sensor-to-cloud communication, and the role played by the combination of these technologies in Industry 4.0. My guest on this episode is Bhagat Singh Karuna Karan. Bhagat is the CEO and founder of Calicito, an industrial IoT software solutions company with full-stack edge-to-cloud capabilities. Calicito is a recognized thought leader in this space due to its pioneering effort to create an open-source ecosystem around OPC UA and time-sensitive networking on real-time Linux. In 2018, from Alpha IOSP, Calicito and the Open Source Automation Development Lab formed a working group to create a publicly available framework for real-time communication over Ethernet based on OPC UA and TSN. This included works such as the world's first OPC UA PubSub implementation and the recently launched phase 3 of the project, which has received support from companies such as ABB, ARM, BNR, Intel, Condron Europe, and Siemens. A quick thank you to our sponsors. This episode is made possible by our friends at HiveMQ, who are providers of an enterprise-grade edge and cloud-based MQTT broker. I use it for my own IoT applications and they have a free cloud version which allows you to connect up to a hundred IoT devices. So please do check it out to help support this channel. Welcome to the fourth generation podcast here on Industry 4.0.tv which is a series of weekly interviews designed to help you learn industrial IoT from some of the world's leading practitioners. So if you are new here, please make sure to subscribe and click on the notification bell to make sure that you never miss any of the videos. If you find this conversation interesting, please review it with 5,000 Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, and you can also connect with me on LinkedIn at Kutsai Teresa. Now, here's my conversation with Bhagat. Okay, Bhagat, uh, I would like to welcome you to the fourth generation podcast here on Industry 4.0 TV to discuss OPC UA over time-sensitive networks. Uh, which we'll refer to as TSN uh, throughout this talk. So, welcome. Yeah, hi, Kazai. Nice to meet you. Okay, so a lot of people in the audience here, are, I'm sure, are already familiar with uh, OPCA. So, maybe to set the stage here, you could begin by uh, defining what time-sensitive networking is and how it works. Uh, yeah, sure. Um... So if you look at uh, time-sensitive networking, that is the name of a task group within the IEEE uh, that's tasked to uh, do real-time networking with the Ethernet. I mean, to extend the existing Ethernet standards to uh, do time-deterministic uh, communication. Now, let's uh, try to understand what this is and why this is important. Uh, traditionally, Ethernet, when it was invented, it had a particular feature called uh, CSMA-CD. That's uh, carrier sense, multiple axis with collision detection. So these were uh, networks that were built using coaxial cables, where you then uh, tap the cable to connect your computer systems. And uh, uh, the technology was built in a way where multiple computers can talk simultaneously. And if there is a crosstalk, some of the computers can back off and wait for their turn to communicate. So this was excellent uh, when it comes to office network. You know, when you want to print something, two computers trying to do that, and then one backs off for a random time, one guy gets to do the work and then comes back. So this was excellent when it comes to the office network and 
that's primarily the reason why ethernet became so successful on the other hand when you try to use ethernet in some other industries for example um, in professional audio video uh, broadcasting where you had to have the lip syncing and the uh, lip syncing of the video and the audio or when you talk about uh, you know communication within a car environment where you some of the communication cannot delay a lot or when it comes to two robots talking to each other ethernet was not that great you know this carrier sense multiple access where you have a random back off uh, will not help you guarantee time in fact this random back off uh, was uh, you know the second time if there is a cross track it's it was a even bigger number and a bigger random ness that gets injected so uh, so i i totally recognize this and that the potential for using ethernet in uh, these was recognized so they tried bringing in a task group to understand how we can solve this problem you know we don't want csma cd we want a different way of using ethernet so time sensitive networking is really an upgrade to the uh, existing ethernet standard the way it became from 10 to 100 megabit to 1 gigabit uh, or the way we saw the qos improved over time like 10 years 15 years ago voice over ip was not as good as what we have today so it it would have been improved over the period of time similarly the time deterministic part is now uh, being improved and that's time sensitive networking oh, okay that's interesting so clearly here the 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 from what i can hear is that the reason for bringing uh, time sensitive network networking to the industrial uh, ethernet uh, 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 space is is because of 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 some inefficiencies that currently exist could you maybe Uh, come up with a, a list of advantages uh, uh, that TSN has over traditional Ethernet communication networks. Sure. Um, when you talk about uh, the industrial world, you know, when you talk about machinery uh, and the communication within the machinery, it's like you have these sensors and actuators, and you have to cable these sensors and actuators to the uh, the controllers, where you actually have the computing power, and you then run your algorithms to take your decisions. Uh, if you simplify this problem and you really see the business case it's really a cabling problem right like you cannot have individual cables running from your uh, controller to each and every sensor uh, this is going to create a problem with respect to the weight of the cables cost of the cables quality of service and then a maintenance nightmare so people started searching for alternatives to running independent cables with you know analog signals to each sensor and that is how people started using ethernet right like in fact they that it's a long way they first started using uh, you know uart based protocols and then uh, at one point even they were not sufficient in terms of bandwidth or uh, ease of uh, you know the connectivity the way you connect an ethernet cable and the way you can change the topology and all this so people started using ethernet but uh, when it comes to using ethernet they had this problem of csma cd and they tried solving it and each and every major company out there they tried solving this problem in their own way for example uh, companies like for example siemens they started using uh, profinet coming from their profibus background or uh, beckoff they created ethercat so all these are the base ethernet technology with some extension on top to achieve the deterministic communication uh that was needed so that's how uh, you know this was created now uh this has also essentially fragmented the industry so 
what TSN is now going to do is uh, they are fixing the original problem at the layer two level. And uh, now once this is fixed, now you can have a single hardware, which will probably become, uh, you know, the mass produced one, like you five, 10 years from now, you buy a laptop, the ethernet port that comes along with it probably is fully capable of doing TSM. So then you, all you need is the software pieces. And uh, I think that's the primary advantage I see. The scale of uh, the economy of scale coming, kicking in and bringing the price down. And you have a single hardware that can deliver the real time that you need. And then everybody can then plug in their own software on top. So that's, that's the primary advantage. And the world will be a lot more open in the future. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but I get the sense that uh, what you're saying is that you could have all these uh, field path protocols running on one standardized Ethernet. Would it be possible to still to run all these uh, uh, field path protocols on, on a standard Ethernet using TSN? Is that correct? Uh, it, it is a very, uh, uh, I think we have to see this in layers. Uh, you know, we know this OSA layers uh, in networking, right? Uh, open system interconnection, the seven layers. And uh, if you look at Ethernet, Ethernet is a layer two protocol and uh, uh, TSN is essentially an upgrade to the features. Uh, TSN is essentially an upgrade to the features in the layer two. And uh, the companies have then, you know, in the past with all the other field bus protocols, they have built some custom extensions on the layer two level. And then they have built a complete software ecosystem on top. Right. And when we call something as Profinet or Ethercat, you know, we just don't mean the layer two these days. So it's usually all the other layers on top. And um, even when you have a new standardized hardware, I'm sure all the companies are planning to use or continue to use their software ecosystem. They cannot just throw away years of investment and switch to something new. Yeah. So we will see a transition period where you will have a standard uh, TSN hardware and then all these existing protocols are sharing this network. This is going to be the uh, reality. But then as uh, the market adoption starts and the need for simplification kicks in, after a point, then you will see that it is more going to be OPC UA plus uh, TSN and probably the other protocols will be in very small islands and uh, more in the legacy stage. Now, well, as you have already alluded to, uh, uh, time determinism is, is, is really a, is the foundation of TSN. So what I would like to find out uh, from you is what are the core elements of TSN that make, that make it achieve this uh, deterministic communication? So as I had mentioned, it's an IEEE task force, right? Like uh, they, they come up with the standards and it's, it's a bunch of IEEE standards. The first one, uh, the most important uh, one is the IEEE 802.1 AS, which is the time synchronization standard, the PTP, uh, what we call as the GPTP standard. So this is about how we can synchronize the clock and we rely on some hardware features available to achieve uh, time synchronization between two systems in the nanosecond uh, boundary, right? Uh, so this is the core. You have a way of synchronizing the clocks between different systems. And so this is the first. Once you have the same clock across your network, all the compute elements in your network, 
then you need a way of communicating uh, between each other. So that is where the next set of protocols come in. Uh, these are uh, essentially upgrade to the IEEE 802.1 Q standards. Q stands for the quality of service. So we try improving the quality of service. So it is like 802.1 uh, Q, QAV and Q, QAV first was uh, more useful in the audio video world. But once industrial uh, guys came in and started, they realized that QAV may not be enough. And then they started working on QBV. So you can think of QBV as uh, dedicated. It, it is more like time division multiplexing. So you have dedicated slots, uh, slots of time where you expect a certain high priority traffic on the network. So you have time synchronization and then you have this time div uh, division multiplexing on the network where we know that, okay, I have to place my high priority frames right now. Uh, so this ensures that we are able to deterministically communicate between two nodes uh, over a shared Ethernet medium where you also have other traffic like an audio video or uh, some configuration messages or some diagnostic things happening. The last one, um, the one I think that, that uh, will help complete the solution package is your uh, uh, Q, I think it's QBR or uh, it's about the frame preemption. Uh, okay. Like when you have a low priority, a big frame going in, and then you have your high priority guy coming in. So you have to preempt the frame send, and you have to send the high priority guy, and then continue the uh, larger low priority one. So this will be at the core. Uh, you have the time synchronization, you have your QBV, which is more like time division multiplexing, and then you have your frame preemption. So these three standards will be at the heart. And then you need the standards that will help configure these systems. So you will have your QCC, which talks about how these systems can be configured. So that's TSN in an oversimplified oh, fashion. Okay. Yeah, thank you yeah. for that. What I would also like to find out from there is uh, what would be required then for, 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 for any industrial machine or, or device to, to participate in a TSN network? Is, is, is there dedicated hardware that is required for it? Right. Um, there are multiple uh, ways. One is uh, companies like Cisco are selling TSN hardware for quite some years now. So you can buy one of these switches and then you connect one of your device. Then this switch is going to take care of the regulating part, how the device gets access and how the TSN network is regulated. And this switch will have the capability to synchronize itself with the network and handle everything. Uh, this is the most simple use case. If you don't have, I mean, if your own device is a single ported device and it doesn't have uh, huge real-time considerations. And when I talk about uh, deterministic considerations, I talk about sub-millisecond uh, response times and guarantees. Uh, if you don't have that, then it, this is a simple one. Like you buy a TSN switch, then you connect your device. Maybe you have a basic infrastructure ready. Uh, but then when you talk about um, say existing PLC vendors and automation component vendors adopting to the standard, probably they have a two port device, which means they have a switch inbuilt into their device now. And you have to configure this TSN switch. So this becomes a lot more complicated. And that's the reason why a lot of companies come together and work together to solve this uh, problem. Interesting. So you mentioned previously the uh, OPC UA. I think let's bring that into the conversation now. So we we 
we already have a, a protocol, you know, for, for field level communication that's been there for quite some time now. What I would like to find out is why is it important to achieve field level communication uh, using OPC UA? So when we speak about uh, TSN, we talk about, um, you know, this is TSN is nothing but a new Ethernet, right? So tomorrow, every device, when we say it has an Ethernet port, it will probably have all the basic things needed to run a TSN network. And when, when such a thing happens, uh, all you need is a standardized layer of software on top uh, to achieve all kinds of automation use cases that are visualized by you know industry 4.0 world. So in this case, um, so that that you know TSN is working like from the bottom up, right? They are trying to solve a problem from the bottom up, and OPC UA uh, traditionally they are trying to solve a problem from the top down. So at some point, these two technologies will meet, and then you don't need anything else and you you will for the first time have a very seamless way of exchanging information from sensor to cloud using one way of information modeling and one way of information exchange so that's why i think this is very important and that's why this is so uh, you know it's a revolutionary approach Oh, okay. So maybe perhaps let's drill down a bit on the on, on the value proposition of bringing OPC UA and TSN together, because here I understand we're essentially bringing together these two standards. Can you talk to us about that? Uh, in terms of value proposition, so what this will do is, uh, let's take the example of Linux. Uh, you, know, you know, Linux is quite popular in the server space, and uh, Linux is also becoming increasingly popular in the automation industry. Uh, the main reason why this is happening is an operating system is a base technology. And uh, when there is an open source implementation available, it is easy to build use cases on top and uh, it reduces the entry barrier. It reduces the fragments in the market, which means now you build a, a new product or a service. For example, if you uh, build a new application that concentrates on delivering food or when you have something like Uber where you can book a taxi. You don't have to have 100 different variants of the Uber application, and you can focus more on the business logic wherein the underlying technology is running on a base set of standards and uh, probably on a base set of open source uh, software as well. So this is the primary uh, advantage I see. You know, when you have a base hardware, which is based on standard and all the major silicon uh, vendors out there, they are going to implement this, then you have a, uh, an OPC UA software ecosystem that sits on top. Then companies can focus on their core differentiators. Companies can then work on uh, the core business value proposition that they want to solve and not worry about how do I you know, take this one bit and how do I transfer it there and should I need this gateway, that gateway. You know, all this unproductive thing can go away. So the uh, that's the and whatever you build can scale globally oh okay that's interesting yeah so i think perhaps from the perspective of industry 4.0 just to make it clear for for for, for some of the uh, architects here uh, in, in the audience what do you see as being the major role of opca over tsm uh, looking at it broadly from an industry 4.0 perspective Right. Uh, let me share from some of the projects we have already executed and where we have uh, helped uh, our customers. So, you know, we had one of our uh, customers do, they build, um, 
injection molding machines and they also use uh, robots from other vendors where you then draw the parts out of the machine and you have this machine uh, by a particular uh, automation component vendor and and then you have this robot using a completely different uh, setup now when you have the companion specifications uh, in both then there is a seamless way where you can connect uh, both of them but this is not a challenge purely at the companion specification layer because there is a real time element to this particular communication between the robot and the machine you cannot uh, have a delay you have to guarantee uh, your times and this is where uh, opc ua and you know opc ua pops up technology along with tsn come, comes in with a very important value proposition okay so i think that's uh, quite interesting that you you've brought up uh, opc ua pops up now what's the major reason for 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 having opc ua pops up as being uh, the, the 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 primary go to for tsn sure um, so let's first understand opc ua client server um, you know in the client server exchanges it's a connection oriented protocol and uh, depending on the number of clients you may want to have your uh, connect to your server the server may have to support multiple connections simultaneously so the cost of the server uh, hardware goes up right the number of things you have to support from the server starts inflating which limits the kind of uh, different places it can go for example if you have a small sensor and there are at least 20 other uh, devices on your network that's interested in the data from the small sensor uh, pubsub is a lot more efficient because then this small device can just keep publishing the information and all the other devices who are interested can merely consume this so this is the primary difference between pubsub and um, you know client server exchanges so you can take opc ua down to the sensor level on one end and uh, the second thing is publish subscribe is not um, connection oriented which means you don't have losses retransmissions and stuff like that and that helps us design systems with a particular uh, level of guarantees so i can build a system that runs at say 100 microseconds uh, cycle time and i can guarantee that an information that originates in a can reach b within 100 microseconds how many billion times you want to run this you will always meet this particular guarantee so this is with respect to pubsub at a horizontal level right like uh, at a horizontal level to a robot and a machine talking to each other this works great and there is also another use case which is uh, some of the sensor value you may want to take it down uh, take it up up to the cloud and you may want to do some analytics in the cloud again pubsub is a well established concept here for example if you take mqtt it's a proper protocol and it it works with this brokered pubsub model like you have a mqtt broker and every device then you know subscribes uh, sends uh, the publishers to the broker and the broker then distributes it to all the subscribers and uh, you know opc ua pubsub can use mqtt as a transport uh, layer and then push data to the cloud the key advantage here is you don't break the meta information model meta information that the opc ua standard carries so you have the advantage of pubsub but then you also have the advantage of the opc ua's meta metadata so uh, in the vertical 
you can take the meta information from the sensor to cloud without breaking it. And in the horizontal, you can achieve great real-time use cases. So you've already given us a, a, a quite a, a long list of, of use cases there. Uh, uh, perhaps if you could like maybe have some example applications of, of, of OPCO of a TSN in manufacturing facilities that you could uh, share with us. Um, yeah, so he, as I had already mentioned, uh, you know, this is great when it comes to, uh, <clears throat> you know, systems where you have a multi-vendor interoperability. So you have machine coming from one manufacturer, you have uh, a robot coming in from the other, as long as you are, um, you know how to tie the information between them, right? Like pops up, uh, uh, who, what, who's interested in what and how they subscribe or publish with each other and a companion specification is available, uh, this is great, right? So this interoperability is one main advantage we see. And uh, the second main advantage we see is uh, the PubSub protocol uh, can be really scaled down to small devices. So in future, you will start seeing every device having OPC UA supported as a standard and uh, then the entire uh, ecosystem will be extremely homogeneous. So you don't have multiple gateways sitting in between and you don't have uh, complex ways of handling uh, information from uh, you know, different layers. Now to bring uh, 5G into the conversation, uh, what does the convergence of uh, OPC UA over TSN and, and 5G mean for industry 4.0? Uh, yeah, let me take a very interesting example here. Now, uh, we all know that across the world, we are moving to electric cars, right? We are starting, so this is an automotive example, but uh, you will see the relevance coming in. Um, so cars are becoming electric and mostly we will, uh, we are not going to cut away the charging time so uh, in the near future. So you may have to charge your car for one or two hours and maybe you will stop owning the car and the car may drive, drive on its own to a charging station and charge itself. And these charging stations are going to be industry 4.0 uh, blocks. And uh, the systems inside these charging stations are going to be PLCs and controllers that are going to have OPC UA and probably TSN and uh, probably have the ability to publish and subscribe via a 5G network. So in my mind, when I see OPC UA, TSN or OPC UA and 5G, uh, though you know it has not yet spilled over into the automotive space, I think it's a necessity because sooner or later a car is just another machine, and this machine has is is produced by one manufacturer, but then its charging station is by another guy, and when they are far away from each other, they may talk through the cloud, but when they are near to each other, there will be some amount of edge processing and edge level exchange of information and uh, it will be a very different world to how we do things today oh yeah absolutely that makes a, a lot of sense now so maybe to 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 wrap up the the, the, the conversation about uh, opca over tsn is uh, are there any commercialized products for, for, for that uh, implement opc over tsn um the answer is no uh, and let me explain a little bit around what is happening right now uh, uh, towards the end of uh, 2019, you know, the, the field level, <clears throat> uh, field level 
communications committee was formed within the OPC foundation. And this has literally all the existing automation players uh, in one room. And uh, this group is now starting to publish all the specifications. And they are also having um, a lot of prototyping activities happening in parallel. So if you ask me whether there are existing devices in the market, no. Uh, we still have only big demonstrators and stuff, but work is happening day in and day out. The technology is uh, a complex one. And if you are in the space, you have an aspiration to build your own devices and sell in the space, then you should be watching the, the work happening in these bodies closely. Um, maybe I, I should also mention about uh, uh, IEEE 60802 uh, uh, standard here, uh, because, because uh, it, it, that should be something that helps everybody come together, right? So that happened to be this IEEE 60802 standard. Uh, this standard is nothing but the TSN profile for industrial automation. So we spoke about the TSN standards, which are uh, common across different uh, wide industries like uh, audio, video, broadcasting, or automotive on the industrial. But when it comes to industrial use cases, this IEEE 60802 uh, standard specifies the common industrial profile. And FLC was formed uh, to, uh, you know, with this document as the basis and uh, a commitment to go towards uh, the use cases listed in this document. And now today work is happening uh, in the FLC. So if you are a device manufacturer, I will suggest you, play, you pay close attention to what is happening here and closely follow this. And we should start seeing controller to controller level uh, integrations very soon and uh, maybe three years uh, down the line you will start seeing end-to-end uh, -end, uh, uh, devices okay that sounds like quite an interesting future then we'll certainly be on the lookout for it so well you are uh, the ceo of a company called kelly Sito, right and um, one of the initiatives that you have at, at your company there is the open source crowdfunded OPCUA and uh, TSN. Uh, can you explain to us uh, what it is, uh, why it exists, who is involved and how it works? Sure, sure. Uh, as I mentioned, there are two, uh, two different angles. One is TSN is working from bottom up and uh, OPCUA is coming from the top down and uh, PubSub is a very important piece that was needed in OPCUA for it to go from the top to the bottom. And we as a company, we believe in uh, open source and we believe that uh, base technologies should be open source. And anybody across the world who wants to come into the space should have a minimal entry barrier to come in and use a technology like this. And so that's, uh, that, that is our motivation to come into this. Uh, towards the end of 2017, uh, it was quite clear that uh, something like the FLC may happen in one or two years. And it was also quite clear for us that uh, uh, OPC Foundation is about to publish the PubSub specification. And we wanted to see whether we can have an open source version implemented. And, uh, uh, and we partnered with Frana for IOSB in uh, Germany. And uh, we took the Open62501 open source implementation of the OPC UA specification. And we made sure by the time OPC Foundation published uh, the specifications for PubSub, uh, we also became the world's first to publish uh, the code, uh, the source code, and in a, also in a very friendly license where people can take and uh, start using it inside their product. And 
And you know, this really was the start of our open source ecosystem project. And when companies like Intel and uh, Arm, you know, when they saw that we are doing this, and we started, uh, we started like this, but then we also quickly certified the stack uh, for uh, micro embedded device profile. And we made sure, you know, people can rely on the stack and build industrial products. And uh, this kind of kicked, kicked off the open source ecosystem project where, uh, it, you know, we run, under, run it under the umbrella of uh, OSADL, Open Source Automation Development Lab, who are based out of Germany. Uh, they are the guys who created, uh, they are behind the, uh, real-time uh, Linux patches, uh, the RT preempt patches, and they had almost completed their job with respect to real-time Linux, and they were looking at what next. And so that's when we joined uh, hands, uh, Frana for IOSB, Calisito, and OCDL, and we launched this joint ecosystem project. So companies can come, uh, tell us what they want, and they can also allocate a small budget they can share. And uh, when many companies put money like this, then we have a pool of uh, uh, budget available and we then allocate people to work on the problems that they want solved. So first we made sure PubSub is available open source. Then we made sure the stack is uh, certified uh, by the OPC foundation. And in the third phase, we implemented uh, PubSub security. Again, I think we were the first to uh, implement PubSub security and make it available open source. And now uh, we are uh, starting to, uh, we are in the phase where, you know, we are launching the next uh, phase of the project. So this is an ideal time people can come join in and tell us what they would like to see. And uh, uh, the next phase will probably, I mean, right now we are in the uh, information gathering phase. So people can tell us what they want. And in a month's time, we will be launching the next phase of the project. So today uh, in the last phase, the phase three, it was funded by companies like Intel, ARM, ABB, DNR, uh, Siemens, and uh, Contran were the main partners in the last phase. Uh, hopefully, they'll continue this phase and uh, we'll probably have a bigger. Each time we see that the phase is becoming a little bigger. So, hopefully, we are looking at a good start to the next phase in the coming month. Okay, Christoph, thank you so much for the this uh, marvelous work that you're putting together for the community. We'll certainly be putting the word out uh, for this. Uh, um, project. So now, uh, in conclusion, can you tell us more about the solutions and services and, and, and also courses that you offer at Calicito? Uh, and as a follow up to that question, can you tell us more about Calicito, the company? Right. Um, so Calicito is a 15 year old uh, company. Uh, we started in the year 2007. And um, uh, from the beginning, we have been working on industrial systems and uh, particularly in the real-time communication and real-time system space. And off late, you know, we have been seeing a trend. People try to mix a Linux box and, a, and an automation PLC into one network. So that's been uh, an increasingly uh, positive trend that we see people want to have a master control in, the net, uh, in their automation network, which takes care of their business uh, logic and uh, they have a large network. So, but people don't know how to do it. Uh, people don't know how to do it in a standardized way where, uh, uh, you know, they use, many are new to open source, many are new to Linux, many are new to achieving real time with this kind of systems. So that's where we walk in as a consultant, help our uh, customers onboard into this new world and how to establish a secure connection from here to push data into a cloud and uh, stuff like that. So we engage as a consultant 
and then we also execute the project in an end to end uh, fashion for our customers oh, okay that's okay. interesting all right so that brings us to the end uh, of this session uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come and share your insights with the audience yeah uh, it was a pleasure talking to you today and uh, i you know i also want to thank all the industry uh, 4.0 tv uh, audience uh, and uh, looking forward to meet you again sometime in the future as well thank you okay thank you